guys, welcome back to the Kings of Scream podcast. I'm Daniel. I'm Tyler. And guys, oh, we got a treat for you. I mean, it's, it's October. It's, it's the season's changing. Right? It really is. I mean, literally, oh, I just love this time of year. I love the smell. There's a different smell in the air. I can't explain it. It's just, it's there. You can just tell. Even be, <laughs> fuck the calendar. Fuck the calendar. I don't care what the calendar says. There's, there's a certain time in September where you just go outside and you go, oh, shit, it's fall. Like it's, it is fall and oh, I love it. It's the smell. It's the smell of death. It really is. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's nature dying around us, yep. but it's death is a. It's like it's like seasonal Jesus, and it, it dies for our for our sins, and it opens up to a really really nice broad you know, view of scary movie until it goes into the harsh cold grip of winter, and then you know it's it's all downhill from there. <laughs> but anyways, since it is the month of October. We thought it was only fitting to uh, review. What are we reviewing again, uh, Tyler? No, we're going back to 1978. Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Um, The original. The the OG. And that was her first gig. Yeah. Yep, that was her. That's it. So she thought she was going to get fired the first day. Really? Yes. Did not know that. Showed an interview with her, and she was worried that they were going to call her at the end of the day and tell her that she's fired. <laughs> and then she turns into a legend. Oh, yeah. No, like, absolutely. <laughs> she, uh... You know, one of the things I could say, like, you know, in a certain sense, she kind of outgrew the franchise, mm-hmm. but she always comes back. So it's like... She clearly, paid her respects. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing I hear in real life. She is just the sweetest woman. Uh, she goes to all these horror conventions. I guess for a while she kind of stayed away from the horror conventions, but when she finally did start going, it's like she returns from time to time and does it and everything. So she really knows that there's a, you know, even though she's famous for, you know, tons of other stuff, like there is a community of horror fans that just adore her. And, yeah. you know, she knows she knows where bread and butter's at. So, you know, well, hitting it up right here. She's one of the uh, strongest main actors to oh. ever be. Absolutely, in a horror movie. Well, that, that, yeah, I would say just as far as final women or final girls go, I mean, she's at the top of the list. I would yeah, say. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, uh, and I mean, of course, now people's personal preferences or whatever, you can have your favorites. I'm not saying you know it's in stone. I'm just saying, in all reality, she was the prototype for the final girl. I mean, it really mm-hmm. is, you know. So we're going back to 1978. Yep. You know, I heard that was a good year. I hear good things. I hear good things. I mean, it had good movies. Had Certainly had excellent movies. <laughs> uh, young Michael Myers goes a little kill happy when he's a kid and uh, gets put into a sanitarium yep. where 15 years later, dude escapes, knows how to drive a car. and uh, <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Going yeah. back to his uh, childhood home to um, exactly, I don't know if he's getting revenge or what the actual thing is. He's just, he's just kill happy. He, he was mad because everybody abandoned him. That's what it is. He just had abandonment issues and... Goes back to his house. It's not the same. Yep. Wherever I go, you know, yeah, I'd be a little tore up too. So, so let's get into Halloween. I cannot wait. So, starts things off, you know, in real life, you know, John Carpenter directed a film called Assault on Precinct 13. I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, definitely. Love it. Like, right. I didn't think I'd like it as much as I did. I remember I bought it a few years ago, tossed it in, and I was just like, holy shit, like, I really like it. I mean, it's so raw. It's so, it's almost, it's, it's punk rock almost. Like, it's just, it's just so great. Yeah. Uh, producer saw that and was like, hey, we got a script. Uh, now, I've heard two different things. I don't know what's what. I know the script, people were saying, were initially called The Babysitter Murders. But then someone came forward and said, like, that was never the title. So I don't know what story to believe there. But either way, they had a low-budget script. 
and they handed it over to John Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, Carpenter himself, he was, you know, he was on board. And he even kind of waived a fee. He's like, I don't need to get paid for this. He goes, I know I can do this. And so all he asked was full creative control. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote, directed, and even scored the movie. Uh, at the end of the day, though, they did give him $10,000. And uh, 10% of the final grosses or the profits, which we'll find out, did pretty well. So I would say that's, that he that's pretty banged the kid. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I think I would do that if I was a legit uh, non TPS director. You know, if I actually was working for a studio, I think I'd be like, you know, keep your money, just give me a, you know, give me some of the back end there. You know, when that shit starts coming in, uh, there's a famous story about uh, Gregory Peck when he did The Omen. And, of course, he was a big actor. The Omen was a small movie. And they're like, well, we can't really pay you what you want. Yeah. And he goes, I'll tell you what. I'll take, you know, a little bit on the back end. And that became the biggest movie, you know, at the time and everything. So he's just like, yeah, he came out richer than he would have. He would have took, a, you know, whatever fee they don't give him. So. Well, they, uh, Michael Myers' character, they paid him $25 a day. <laughs> Which, mean, you know, you all throw me $25 a day to be Michael Myers. But he was standing, he was standing watching mm. It happened, and they're like, "Hey, you, you know, put this mask on <laughs> put and put on. this, put this, you know, jacket on and and walk around. You don't even have to do anything. No, no lines. No, you don't even have to say anything. You don't even have to act like you're breathing. You just walk around all day." The uh, funny story is the guy who played the uh, Michael Myers or the shape. There's two different people who Michael Myers. We'll get in that in a little bit. But the guy who actually played like the physical shape of him walking around for a majority of the movie, Nick Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny he asked Carpenter like. What do you want me to do? And Carpenter's like, you know, what's my motivation? How do you want me to walk? He's like, I just want you to walk from here to here. Like, don't put no thought into it. Like, just be there. And which is brilliant direction because again, he's supposed to be the embodiment of just evil in, in the body. So it's just like, yeah. you know, the only direction he gave him was when he kills Bob, it sticks him up on the wall. Because the head tilt. Yeah, that's the head and that's the only direction he gave, which I think is fucking brilliant. Because I mean. My God, everybody's copied the head tilt since then. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's a great thing. I've copied it. I've done it in my movies where I'm the killer, and I'm just like, well, cock my head now. It's, there's no reason behind me cocking my head. I'm just ripping off Halloween, you know? So It, it shows the, you know, how, like, he was just not with society. Yeah. Like, killing people was nothing to him. He was detached. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Um you know, I usually kick this show off with this question. I guess we can backtrack for a second here. Uh, when was the first time you watched this? Uh, how old was you? Around what? How old was you? And what did you think about I, the first time you watched it? I, th- I probably didn't see it until the '90s, but it probably scared the shit out of me. Okay. It has. It just has. Like I watched the other night at like midnight. I still got trembles. Like, like oh, don't go, don't do it. You know, it's like come on, Lori. And you know, of course, she never listens. So. She never does. No, she keeps doing it. <laughs> but it's it's one of those movies that you can just watch, you know, multiple times through the year and no, not yeah. get bored of. It. No, no, absolutely. I, I, this, I, this is probably my most watched of this series right here. I watch this. I watch it once a year, regardless. You know, like around Halloween or whatever. But then there's even sometimes I'm just like middle of June, just like fuck it, let's throw some Halloween yeah. in. You know, it's, it's just one of those movies. Uh, Let's see if Lori gets caught this time. <laughs> see, see if she's smart enough to go next door. You know, she's like, I'm not going there. Uh, first time I watched it, 90s as well. Uh, it had to be actually kind of late 90s. I want to say uh, Halloween Revenge of a... Uh, no. 
Curse of Michael Myers. You got it right there. 95. So it would have been around 95. Uh, in fact, I actually watched Halloween Curse of Michael Myers first, uh, unknowingly. I remember, you know, again, when you're a kid, even if you've never seen horror movies, you know the biggies. You know Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger. Like, you know them. So I remember at this point, I'm really getting into the horror films. Uh, Love the Nightmare on Elm Street, Love Friday the 13th. And so I was like, yeah, Halloween. And so I went to my grandmother's house, and this is the day of, you know, VHSs with, like, taped uh, movies, so you know, you'd have blank tapes of like three to four movies on them, you know. And she didn't write full titles out, like, I, that drove me nuts. Like, I, I have to be a guy, I have to get everything <laughs> labeled. All I said was Halloween, so I was like, awesome. So I throw it in, and it's the 95 version. I don't know it, so I'm just watching it. And I'm just, and don't get me wrong, and we ever talk about you know, the curse of Mock Myers, you know, I'll go into it more, but you know, it was all right, but it wasn't what I thought it was. And so I was telling my grandma, I was like, yeah, like, I don't know what the big deal about this one is, and she's like, well, that's not the original. I was like, what? It's like, but what was the original? And then she pulls out another one. It also just said Halloween on I was like, well, why don't you put fucking, you know. Anyways, <laughs> uh, watched it. Yeah, scare shit out of me. Uh, I remember the, actually one of the creepiest scenes in that movie when I was a kid was uh, not even anything at night or spooky. It's the daytime when they're walking home from school and Lori looks up and he's standing behind the bush yeah. just looking at him. And then when, you know, whenever they look up, you're gone. Like, I don't know what it was about that. And then, of course, whenever she's in her room and looks outside and sees him standing there excuse me, behind the laundry. I don't know. It was just like most times with horror movies, it's always shadows. It's always at night. It's always creepy. And here, uh, Carpenter was like literally showing you the boogeyman during the day and it was still just as effective. It's the, um, it's the face. Yeah. It's the non-emotional face. Yeah, that's it's exactly it. always that face, no matter what it is. You know, he could have blood dripping down his face. <laughs> it's still the same look. Yeah. And you don't ever know where he's going to go because they do the, the camera switching. Yeah. And they'll, they'll pan to the left. They'll come back and he's still standing there. Yeah. And then the third time they'll come back and he's gone. Oh. It's like, dude vanishes out of thin air. I love that. Well, same thing, you know, when she's in school and she looks up and sees him. Again, broad daylight yeah. just staring at her and then looks back up, gone. I always wanted to see, and they do this a little bit in scary movie, the comedy, like whenever they look and... He's standing there, and when she looks away, he turns around and runs off real quick. It's like, I always want to kind of see like Michael Myers do that. Uh, <laughs> trying to fit into something. To <laughs> trying, well, I love it's that like, he's right around with the mask on in broad daylight. It's like, bro, like, take the mask off during the day. Like, you know, you're going to draw a lot of you know, attention to yourself. But well, that just kind of shows, like, people didn't care back no, then. No, they weren't looking out for a psycho killer, yeah, you know? No, it wasn't. They weren't planning on some. I don't know. He looks like he's what six five. He looks big, yeah. I mean, they they play him as a. They do a lot of long distance shots. Force that makes him look, that, yeah. Makes him look very tall, which I think that makes a you know a good killer. No, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you gotta have that intimidating factor. So we put a little bit of size to him on top of the blank face, yeah. the dark eyes, you know, the and devil's they, eyes. They they didn't want any emotion on the mask, and they definitely they they you know they, they nailed that. So, going back to, they're making this movie, uh, you know, it's been said over the years uh, that he got a lot of inspiration from Black Christmas. Mm -hmm. And Did you ever watch the original Black Christmas? Uh, not the original. Okay. No. Uh, very solid. Definitely recommend it. it. Uh, yeah. My favorite, well, my favorite Christmas movie. In fact, that's, uh, whereas Halloween I watch every year on October, I'll watch Black Christmas like every year on December. Like, to me, like a lot of people just like, Christmas Story, I'm like, I like Christmas Story, don't get me wrong. Actually, same director little known fact right there. Uh, Bob Clark directed both uh, Christmas Story and Black Christmas. But anyways, uh, yeah, I, Black Christmas is just brilliant. And so that was done in 70, 
four, if I'm not mistaken. And so a lot of the POV shots of just the killer walking, you know, get that in this as well. And then, of course, just, you know, it's slashers, body count, you know. And then, granted, like, yeah, it's a holiday horror theme. But even like Bob Clark said, like, he never felt like Carpenter ripped him off because I guess he goes, it's just, you know, he is set in Halloween. Yeah. He goes, it's, it's, it's horror, you know. It's like, you know, it is what it is. So I always kind of thought that was cool that, like, he never took it personally. Because the, the thing is, is everybody's like, Halloween started the slasher thing. And it's like, well, technically, Black Christmas did, yeah. but again, it wasn't as popular, so it didn't, you know, have more of a cult movie than you know a mainstream yeah. film. So, well, Halloween was, I think, ahead of its time in '78 for what they did yeah. for only having a three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars budget. That's all they had. Oh yeah. So they had to do things in a week spurt. Yeah. Because they only had so many, you know. The yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, it was low budget filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, it really was. Even back then, it was low budget. And Loomis you know? was only over here for from England for a week. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we got to do these shots in this, you know, timeline. Well, when we talked about before we started rolling, you know, one of the you know funny things is, you know, you can tell it's shot California. It's green as shit. But yep. you know, all the leaves on the ground that was like paper leaves that they literally you know made or bought or whatever. But like between takes, they had to stop. Get everything. Yeah. So I mean, it really was like. And I'm not trying to, you know, jerk myself off here or whatever, but it's like, you know, I've done underground filmmaking. And it really does take a team that cares. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're literally just, you know, they're like, oh, I mean, we, you, you ain't going to make it far. you got to literally have a passion for filmmaking itself. So for these guys to kind of band together for, you know, no money almost at all, you know, crazy scheduling, and then on top of that, like, working against the elements in a way, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. So to get it done, like, how long they shoot it, like, Three, four weeks, something like that? Uh, I mean, it, so they did four weeks of prep, four weeks of shoot, and then four weeks of editing. Okay, gotcha. So there you go, right there, 12, you know, 12 uh, weeks right there total. So And they had probably um, this one of the smallest but tight groups of yeah. people for a crew because it, was, it wasn't just one person did one thing. It was everybody mm-hmm. put this movie together. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that's the thing, too. Like I said, that's another thing I've noticed just in the little experience I had. It's a team effort. If you think for a second, like, you're the director and writer and it's your movie, fuck you. Yeah. Like, seriously, believe me, you got to have a team of people, good friends, good, you know, professional people who really want to put the work out there. And uh, this is the best example of that, Halloween, it really is. John Carpenter is probably, probably my favorite producer. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he's a hell of a director. Uh, no, he's, yeah, he, he's top notch. He, he really always is. hear good things about it, like... He never did some... I don't know. Did you ever... Uh, okay, I guess I didn't hear the bad things. No, no, no. He, he, he's a bit of an asshole, I hear. He is an like, asshole? He's an asshole. Well, he's a... Thing is, though, I think he's bitter because for all his movies, that was exceptional, you know, how he did great, a lot of his movies he did didn't really get recognition until later. So, like, he did The Thing. Brilliant movie. Don't give a shit. People crapped on it when it came out. The thing in the 70s? Mm-hmm. Oh, the 80s, 80s. 80s? It came out, uh, people crapped on it, and then it wasn't until like, later on when like VHS was more of a thing that people were just like, oh, yeah, it's a classic. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Fucking love this oh, Big Trouble in yes. Little China. I grew up yes. on that. When it came out, bombed. No one cared about it. Just whatever. And people crapped on it. And then what until years later, like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah. Same. And so it happens with it. And I think, honestly, it just got to him. I think after a while, he's just like, why am I even trying? Yeah, vampires a good example. We talked about you know you, we weren't talking on the show, but you, you know before you were sending me things about it. Same thing, like it came out, people just kind of like, eh. and it was just like years later, people were like, yeah, it's a good movie. It's like, well, yeah, it's a good movie, but like I said, I don't. Like you said, he's ahead of his time. It was almost just like when he started off, he did really good, but then after that, it was just like he never got the recognition at the time. It wasn't until like years later, I was like, oh yeah, he's a master of horror. It's like, well, yeah, he is. Like, goddamn. Well, he. 
he kept the franchise, which they weren't even planning to, to do it. Yeah, a, yeah. A sequel. You know, it was, well, we're just going to do this movie and that's it. And then it blossomed into freaking greatness. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, but not to have future plans. Why Why do you think that is? Why, why would they, they had such, you know, a low budget I guess they thought they weren't really going to turn it in. I mean, until it turned in that seven until million, they're just like, yeah, million. they're just like money. Well, the, yeah, remember too, if you look at the you know the dates there, you know, this came out in seventy eight. The sequel didn't come out until eighty one. That was after Friday Thirteenth and eighty. Yeah. That technically, like you know, this is like the first like modern slasher. Friday Thirteenth is the one that took it and ran with it, and that's when pot or slasher became super popular. So it's almost like even though Friday Thirteenth ripped off Halloween. Mm-hmm. The Brewsters was like, shit, that makes money. Halloween too, right now. And that's what kind of happened right there. So I think I, that's probably the biggest reason why that, you know, that went down like that. Um, like you said, he wasn't planning on it. And then when he did kind of think of like turning Halloween into a series, it was never meant to be the Michael Myers show. It was always meant to be like every movie is going to be a standalone whatever. No. Uh, turns out they it's like, well, no, no, no. Let's bring Michael Myers back for one more and then we'll do a separate yeah. one. Yeah. And then that bombed horribly and I, I guess and I think honestly it's a good concept it's just if you were going to do that you should have done it right out the gate you should have did part two and then try to do something wacky with part three but you know hey yeah, cause what can you do part, part two didn't come out until three years later yeah. so they they kind of <clears throat> they kind of spread it out a little bit and then they went back you know like 88, 89. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, let's take a break. Exactly. For a while. <laughs> well, I mean, part four was, you know, Return of Michael Myers. They wanted to make sure you knew yeah. he's back. Like, no, no, we none of the season of the witch yet, you know. Um, so back to this one. Uh, like you said before, you know, it's that blank look. He's evil incarnate. And that's the thing. It's like literally, you know, that was, you know, John Carpenter's envision from the beginning was like just, just unstoppable killing machine. He uh, references, uh, did you ever see Westworld? Yes. Okay. The yeah. uh, Yul Brenner character. You know, the robot just keeps walking and killing. That was literally what he was like. I want that yeah. Michael Myers, you know. And uh, which is, you know, really awesome, you know, concept there. Uh, lots of psycho references in this movie right here. Uh, psycho was such a great movie. Oh, it's awesome. And it, if anything, if you, if you really want to get like down to it, you know, splitting hairs and whatever, Psycho's technically the original slasher. I mean, it's the yeah. grandfather of the slasher genre, if you will. It's probably one of the. Uh founding started oh absolutely oh yeah no it definitely is um so with psycho you know the character sam loomis was Mm -hmm. you know the main character or the main lead guy in that one aside from norman bates obviously uh and that's where the name loomis came from uh and then uh of course the mother of uh jamie lee curtis was jan lee who played in psycho she was the lead in that uh she had naked in that video uh, well, I mean, no, because it was 1968, so, I mean, I'm sure she had, uh, pasties on or <laughs> whatever, so, I mean, they, they weren't going to go full out nudity. I'm not sure if she was nude on set or not, but... Halloween was not, was not shy in showing boobies. No, no, definitely was not. <laughs> Ghost got your tongue, Bob? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, oh, PJ Soul, love her, love her. Um, so, anyways, uh, and not just that, uh, I didn't know this at all until I, uh, well, did my research, I ain't gonna lie, I did a little research before this, I have come in here... With so like fact-based research, but usually the trivia stuff I already know up here. Yeah. But this is one I actually looked at or I found out was uh, the character of another Hitchcock homage in the movie Rear Window. There's a character named uh, Lieutenant uh, Thomas Doyle, and so Tommy Doyle got his name from that character right there. I thought that was kind of you know kind of interesting there. Uh, so we mentioned earlier Donald Pleasance came over here from the UK, uh, iconic in this role of uh, Doctor Sam or Doctor Loomis. Uh, 
and uh, when he comes over, uh, initially he wasn't uh, offered a role. Initially, it was Peter Cushing's, who is a huge horror actor in the uh, you know UK, uh, the Hammer films. Uh, thing is, he just came off of Star Wars, kind of a prick move. But he's just like the pay was beneath him. Yeah, not well, gonna do it. And like you know, don't get me wrong. I guess, but it's like again. Are you in it? Because like, he's a horror actor. Mm-hmm. Like, he was with Hammer forever. After that, he did low your horror film. So it's just like, really? You're going to pull the money card now? Do I guess you, Star Wars went to his head. I don't do you know. think he regrets it now? I don't know if he did or not. But the funny thing was, after he got rejected, he asked Christopher Lee, who was another Hammer guy. And he turned down. I'm not sure what his reason was. I don't know if it was money or not. But he said later on that he has the biggest regret of his career was turning down Halloween. He, and he even told John Carpenter and Deborah Hill that, like, God, that's the worst mistake yeah. I ever made was turning us down. Never and again. it's like, Mike, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I always feel like you hear stories like that before, you know, other times where people just give up on a role, give someone else, and it becomes, you know, huge. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. Part of me is like, I mean, if you don't like it for whatever reason, then would I really want you there in the first place? Because, you know, would you have brought the performance down? Would you have done, you know, whatever? So, I mean, really, I guess it worked out for, you know, for the best. You know, Donald Pleasance well, came in and... They were scared. Yeah. It was an independent film. They didn't yeah. think, okay, I'm going to go do this, all this work, and it's going to be a trash, and, you know, somebody's going to have the DVD, like, later, yeah, yeah. 20 years later. No idea it's going to be the, you know, the pop culture phenomenon yeah. it would turn into, you know. Uh, of course, we already mentioned, you know, Jim Lee Curtis, uh, brand new on this one. Uh, Nancy Loomis, uh, her whole thing, uh, she was actually uh, an actress in A Saw Precinct 13. So she already worked with John Carpenter, you know, prior to this, you know, anyways. Uh, PJ Souls, lovely PJ Souls. Oh, I thought it was a guy at first. <laughs> I'm sorry, PJ. She, uh, she was in, uh, her big claim to fame before this was uh, Carrie. She was the, uh, I can't think of her name, and Carrie. She wore the red cap the whole time in that movie, though. Uh, she's the one that gets blasted in the ear with the fire hose at the end, and in real life, ruptured the uh, eardrum there. So yeah, she's a horror soldier. Like she fucking, you know, that's she, a true. You seen Devil's Rejects, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, I love Devil's. The Rejects. mother yeah. uh, who uh, Captain Spaulding steals the car from, like knocks her off a headbutt, and then yeah. that's PJ Soul. Like that was her, you know, years later. So kind of cool to see that you know she came back for that. Don't you think he's fucking funny? Don't you think I'm fucking funny? Don't you like us clowns? Don't we make you laugh? I love that movie. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, so we mentioned already that, you know, Nick Castle was the shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we did have another person portray him in the unmasking scene at the end, uh, actor named Tony Moran. Another guy who's just a major douche. Like, I don't know what his deal is. If you ever get a chance, like, look up, like, YouTube interviews with this guy. Mm-hmm. He... He just shits on this franchise. But yet, he has no problem taking the fans' money for pictures and autographs. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, funny little tidbit here. This guy, uh, Tony Moran, he's actually the brother of Aaron Moran, who played Joni Cunningham in Happy Days. So, what? Kind of an odd little uh, how does trip. That, how does that make Exactly. Like, what kind of cosmic way does that even work? Now I got the Happy Days song in my head. And then, uh, of course, the last person kind of round out this cast, uh, in a voiceover role, or voice-only role, John Carpenter played the voice of Paul on the phone with uh, Annie. So, oh, excuse me. I just downed like an entire 64-ounce thing of soda. So now it's got like massive heartburn. <laughs> we are not professional here at the Kings of Scream podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I am drinking a uh, A&W today. So I'm, I'm staying <laughs> off you know, caffeine. So, oh man, A&W, cream soda. Oh my God, I love that shit. If uh, anybody from the A&W uh, cream soda factory is listening to us, we will take, uh, we'll, we'll sponsor that shit. Sponsor us. We will pimp that shit out all day long. If you, you come to my house and you put one of the taps in. Oh. 
I'll give my you royalties. God. No doubt. <laughs> Shit, we'll pay you to sponsor it. Yeah. My God. So, uh, anyway, we talked about you know the Halloween mask itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the story, I'm sure, about what the mask is. Do you want to tell us where the mask came from? Um, where it came from, it was... Oh, shit. I had this... Captain? Captain... Cap- yes, yes. But they they didn't want, you know, to really change a whole lot. Yeah. It's like, okay, two holes, you yeah. know, let's... Widen it out, bring the hair out a little bit, yeah. paint it, you know, straight white. Well, yeah. I guess the way the story went was... Uh, but what was Captain Kirk doing wearing a mask? <laughs> And I don't watch like Star Trek. I'm just like, why is he wearing a Michael Myers mask? <laughs> like, what the hell? What's Michael Myers doing on this ship here? Um, I guess originally when they did the mask, uh, you know, Carpenter just gave him a few bucks and said, hey, go down to the store and get something. And they only had two masks down there. They had this really crazy, scary clown mask, and then they had this William Shatner mask. And they're just like, well, what do you want to do? Yeah. I guess they tried to, the, the clown mask and. It didn't look creepy. It just came off, I guess, too cliche. They're just like, ah. And then they're like, well, let's do something with the things. They, you know, widen the holes, brought the hair out, and then painted it white. And then they said, like, as soon as he came out on set that, everybody just kind of went silent. They're like, holy shit, like, that's the mask. And people actually, like, that played in the movie, mm-hmm. they had actually reported that they were had nightmares. Oh, I, I believe it. I believe it. And walking, you know, in the dark towards you with just the mask you can see. Oh, so, a funny little side story here. We went to, uh, I forget which uh, haunted house it was, but we went to a haunted house one time, and my uncle, who's a huge, he's a huge Halloween fan as well, but uh, just a huge horror movie fan in general, but that's like his one fear. Like, the guy ain't scared of anything else, but for some reason, when it comes to Michael Myers, he just freaks out. And uh, two stories. One, we're walking down this long corridor, and there he is at the end, and it's like strobe light going down, and he's walking toward us, and like my uncle just freaks out. The second was uh, Fear Fair in Seymour, Indiana. Uh, I'll definitely give them shout outs. One of the best haunted houses out there. Uh, they had, this was the Rob Zombie version though. Mm-hmm. So not quite the same thing, but they had a, like the whole house built up right there and you had to walk through it. And I just remember you can hear the music playing and you're like, oh shit, we're in Halloween world now. And we turn and I look and in the window, he wasn't there a second ago, but he's in there staring back at me. And I, I jump, but my uncle was immobile. Like, couldn't move. And this dude, like, I mean, if you see this guy, the dude, you know, he's way, he's tall, he's in great shape, he's actually a guard at a prison or a jail. Like, the guy, you could handle himself, but man, when it comes to, like, Michael Myers, nah, he, he's done. He's, he's out of it, you know, so. I actually, the, uh, like, the movie Hush. Oh, you know, I have not seen that yet. It has the, uh, it has the, the mask. Yeah, no, I've seen the mask. Yeah, play, okay. I solid white. That, yeah. that stuff, that right there, I cannot watch that movie. Mm. Because, I mean, even the Halloween movies still give me fear because <laughs> Get to you a little bit, it's yeah. the blank look. It's just, it's scary because you, you don't know what emotion they are having underneath the mask. Yeah. You, there's just no way of telling, yeah, no. which makes it the fact that it's like, okay, he, he never really had any emotion killing people, no. which made it one of the best killers that I think um, hides. You know, yeah. the way he hides and... and but how do they fit his big ass in closets? <laughs> just, he, uh, <laughs> you know, he's one of those guys, he, he, he's stealthy like a ninja, so he has that years of training inside that sanitarium. <laughs> when he learned how to drive that car is also when he learned how the you know, hiding closets get yep. and everything. Um, so anyways, uh, of course, you know, Car Carpenter also did the music, which is honestly one of the best horror scores ever. Uh I love, because I mean, you get the, you know, the typical, like, that's the iconic one. But there's so much other, like, I just love, like, the bomb, 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 bomb. 
Like it's just throughout, or when it starts to pick up that you know, is it the key? You know, and then it kicks into you know, I don't know. Just this is one of the I don't do horror instrumentals very often. Like I love it with the movies, but I don't really you know. But this is one of those I can probably if I ever had the soundtrack of just a score, I could probably still just. In my car, driving around, it is just that good. Uh, very atmospheric, and it's so basic. Like when Carpenter talks about it uh, on the credits, I forget he credits it to like I don't know, like the something Philharmonic Orchestra or something like that. He's like he has a kind of like made up name to it. But it was just him on a keyboard, and it's yeah. like it's the whole score. But it's just like it fucking worked, man. Like it's just so that good. sound turned into one of the most iconic sounds to ever. It really up. is. I mean, it seriously is. Like to me, like there's a there's a lot of people that can you'd say there's a lot of sounds that that made movies. <laughs> this sound did not only just make this movie, yeah. but it made Halloween fucking scary. No, absolutely. Yeah. Not only does it fit the movie, not only does it kind of elevate the movie. It's a scary fucking like. As soon as you hear that, you yeah. you already get the image in your head like, oh shit, like it's Halloween. You know he's around. He's around. You because know that it. was one of the key things that was yeah. cool though was. When you heard, he didn't immediately show up. Yeah, yeah. It's like you kind of had to like watch out it's for him. Almost like Jaws in a way. Yep. You hear that? It's like, yep. oh shit! You know, you're not seeing the shark. It's like, but you know, yep. he's on his way. You know, and you know uh, somebody's gonna die. <laughs> so opening weekend, this thing busted out uh, 1.3 uh, million, which you know, really good because they only was made for 300 thousand something. You know, yep. uh, it would go on to gross uh, 80 or sorry 47 in the U.S., mm. uh, 26 internationally. And uh, yeah, seventy million uh, worldwide on that. So total. So again, on a budget of less than a million to go over seventy of that. My God, that's insane, right there. They should charge Europeans more. <laughs> they probably <laughs> did. Actually, who knows? But uh, anyways, uh, this became the uh, highest-grossing independent film of all time when it came out. Uh, which that, is something that I know it's like horror does quite a bit. Like it seems like whenever that but or that uh, record gets broken, you know, initially it was uh, we talked about on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. They broke it first, and here it comes a few years later. This one breaks it. So, uh, independent back in that day was a scary word. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Because I you mean, had nobody to back you up. No, but it's also what was scary about it too was like with like Paramount or Fox or whatever. They kind of controlled what you put out. Yeah. Not always. Now, some of them were kind of lenient and cool, but for the most part, they're just like, well, give us your script. We'll, we'll see if we can do this. Like, ah, you got to change this. I don't like that. You got to take that yeah. out. Put this and whereas an independent was like, no, like nobody was really monitoring that shit. So you didn't know what you was going to get. But with 